So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do some some more wondrous stuff tonight. Some more wondrous stuff. Just do what, whatever it is that you want to do, providing I can control it. <laughs> I'm joking about the control part. Lord, I just pray your blessing. I pray for you to open up the heavens and just rip a hole in the heavens and come down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a wonderful night. Be alive. Wow. I am. Um, you can let go of hands. I'm sorry. You guys are getting a little carried away on this. <laughs> I had this desire for so long to see uh, the people of God, in, including myself, come into a place where, with God where you, we hear God really clearly and where we can tap into um, the voice of the Lord with, uh, you know, some, some of the ways that, that people tapped into the voice of God in the Old Testament even, um, you know, like Daniel and, and guys like that, they, they found something in God that, like, you, ever, you ever read, like the book of Daniel? We're going to read a little bit of Daniel tonight. And you see Daniel's relationship with God, and you're like, wait, I'm, I'm a new creation. <laughs> I live in a better covenant. I, I, I could be moving in the spirit like that. I could be directing kings, changing nations, doing wonders. And, and um, I was thinking about what Chris was sharing about wanting more of God. And I just have such a passion myself just to see um, God move in such dramatic ways. And I... I had this prophetic word, you know, we've been seeing, I don't know what you want to call that. It's Sometimes it looks kind of like gold dust, and sometimes it kind of looks like a cloud. And, and um, somebody says, what, why does God do that? It's called a wonder. If you figured it out, it wouldn't be a wonder anymore. It'd be, a, it'd be called a I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why it's called a wonder. Makes you wonder. As soon as you figure it out, the wonder isn't a wonder. This is so deep. I, um, I don't. I think it was maybe a year ago or so. We were we we were we've been having these kind of encounters on and off for a while. But um, I just had I was just in bed at night and, and I was praying. Just had woke up in the middle of the night. It wasn't like I was trying to be spiritual. I just actually couldn't go to sleep, and I was just thinking and praying. And I was thinking about what it would be like to be able to have signs and wonders at your disposal. Like these signs will follow those who believe. And where you could go into the office of a mayor or governor or city official or whatever and say, you know, I'm a woman of God, I'm a man of God, and um, I just want to prove it right now. There's going to be a a pillar of fire show up just to let you know who I am. And then when... Then we'll have a conversation about some things I want to talk to you about. And I was dreaming like that, and I felt like the Lord said, I was dreaming out loud, and I was thinking, dreaming like that. I was thinking, like, these, these are really cool manifestations. Wouldn't it be cool if you were 
at city council meeting and all of a sudden the Lord just showed up in a, a gold, whatever that is, cloud around you. And, and, you know, and I was thinking about it's the New Testament equivalent to Moses' you know, um, plagues where Moses could call for plagues and the plagues would happen. I'm like, we're in a new covenant. We're not calling for plagues. We're calling for wonders. And um, I just really feel like, this isn't my message, but I really feel like God is, maybe it is, who knows what I'm going to do. I don't even know. <laughs> my job's so secret, I don't even know what it is. But I, I, I just think it would be, I, I think that God's taken us to this place where we're going to begin to move in signs and wonders. And it's not, like when we say signs and wonders, we, we typically mean healing, which is good. Obviously, if you're sp- sick, it's really good. Your friend is sick, it's really, really good. So I'm not, I don't want to diminish that. But when I think of signs and wonders, I think of that being something separate than healing. I think of it, I think of it being something that says these signs follow those who believe. Like you, people are going to know that you're a believer because these signs that God and wonders that God's, God does when you're in their presence are going to validate this is my servant and who I'm well pleased. And so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that myself. I'm, I'm waiting. I, I haven't seen that happen in uh, in that kind of a in that kind of atmosphere before. I, um, I haven't I haven't actually seen a sign like that. Like I'm talking about, like a pillar of fire or a cloud of gold, anything like that happen in uh, in a political governmental office or something like that. But I I've been praying for him when we get in. Every time we're in one of those places, I'm like, this would be really cool right now. Like, like I don't know. I don't know if you want to do it, but I want you to. I just actually want you to show off and then let them know it's somehow related to me being here. <laughs> we can kind of share the attention, you know. You can kind of show off and then maybe it would be really cool if you showed up in a, in a gold cloud and then said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. That would be so awesome. Wouldn't it? Seriously? I, I bet they'd listen, too, after that. You know, I've been doing a series on spiritual uh, intelligence um, for a while, actually. And we did a little bit of it in the conference. How many of you were here for the conference? Okay, so you heard some of this um, about spiritual intelligence. And I, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of um, a review, and, and then we'll touch on a few things that we, were, that we didn't touch on and, and probably will be done. Um, there's a lot of talk about, um, obviously, like IQ, your, your, um, your, your natural ability, your natural intelligence. And, and then if you've been reading uh, leadership or business books in the last 15 years, you can't hardly ignore the subject of SQ, um, spiritual quotient. Your, I'm sorry, your, uh, your uh, emotional intelligence. And there's just lots and lots of books on emotion. Anybody read any books on emotional intelligence? Very interesting they're doing lots of scientific studies on, um, on emotional intelligence and how uh, emotional intelligence affects your ability to lead, affects your ability to um, interact with people. And they're actually saying that now I, I read a book recently that, that talked about emotional intelligence. And it, it said that most great leaders in history were more emotionally intelligent than they had, than they were than they had high IQs. And so um, but I want to talk about spiritual intelligence and. Um, I, I shared this in uh, in the um, in the conference, so this isn't this part isn't new at all. 
And I just want to give you a little, um, this is a definition I wrote. This uh, SQ, spiritual intelligence, is the ability, to dis- dis- the ability to discern, perceive, and judge spiritual dimensions that are at work in and around you and manage this realm towards a positive outcome. So let me read it to you one more time. The ability to discern, perceive, and judge the spiritual dimensions that are at work around, uh, at work in and around you and manage this realm towards a positive outcome. Now, tonight, you know, the glory cloud, that was kind of cool. Uh, you don't need a lot of uh, spiritual intelligence to see a gold cloud, <laughs> you know. But how many of you understand that the Bible teaches us that we are not alone? I don't mean that we're not alone in this dimension, but literally that we, that we live, we don't just inhabit this planet, we cohabit this planet. And we live with other beings, on this planet, who are called spirits. How many of you, <laughs> you got that same look the conference had. They're like, this is called spiritual. And it means that, the, that you actually are a spirit that has a soul and that has a body. Simply put, you are a house for two spirits. Hopefully there's no more than that at home. <laughs> there's your spirit and there's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Actually, your body is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. The bo- your body is actually the temple of your spirit. And so, um, you're, we, um, Paul talked about, in fact, he said this, Paul said um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he said that we would be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Say this, be renewed. In the spirit of your mind. And this is another teaching, but I believe that your mind has three dimensions. Spirit, soul, and body. I, think th- I believe that your mind is influenced by all three dimensions. You, you know that if you take a drug or an illegal drug or whatever, or, you, get a, or you have a chemical imbalance, that it affects the way you think, right? Or you don't get enough sleep. It affects the way you think. You know what I'm trying to say. And all I'm trying to say is that your, your mind is, in, is influenced. The way you think is influenced by the body. We know that, right? And your mind's influenced by the soul. If you go through a divorce or there's a betrayal or someone breaks your heart, it affects the way you think. And here Paul talks about the spirit of your mind. And he, said, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so tonight I want to talk about the spirit of your mind. And I want to talk about the fact that God has given us, um, he's given us the mind of Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, popular verse, verses around here. In fact, we'll just start from uh, verse 1. Paul said this, when I came to you, brethren, I didn't come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. How many of you think that Paul had some anxiety issues? I was with you in weakness and fear, in case, you're, in case you think I'm just using a metaphor, in much trembling. Anybody been there before? Two of us. Awesome. (laughs) And he said, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the power 
and the Spirit so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we speak a wisdom. I'm sorry. So we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age. Everybody say not of this age. We do speak a wisdom, but it's a wisdom that's not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom. Everybody say God's wisdom. And listen to this, how we speak it. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Everybody say in a mystery. We speak God's wisdom, but we speak it in a mystery. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. To whose glory? How many know that God wants to give you glory? Tonight we gave Him glory. But how many of you know that you have to have some to give it to Him? So sometimes we say, God, to you be all the glory. And God says, well, I gave you glory. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, the glory that you gave me, the glory you gave me, I want to give to them. So some people are like, I don't want to steal the glory of God. You can't steal something He gave you. That's a good word right there. We could stop on that. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. We speak God's wisdom, but we speak it in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I love what Graham Cook said. Graham Cook said, if the devil would have understood what Jesus did on the cross, he would have killed everyone who was trying to kill Jesus. (laughs) I bet he was shocked when he killed when when the when Jesus died on the cross and he goes into Hades and he says, I'll take the keys. I bet the devil's like, uh, I think I made a serious miscalculation. <laughs> serious. Something serious went wrong here. Hey, weren't we supposed to kill this guy? Hey, how, uh, how come he's not staying here with us? The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For just as it is written. Now, look down at your Bibles for a minute if you brought them. And you should see that um, the words, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard. That verse that I'm about to read is in italics. Is that true in your Bible? Okay, how many of you it's true? How many of you did not bring your Bible? Be honest, Jesus is watching you, and so is Santa Claus. Okay. The glory cloud, you know he's here. He's t- he, it's, it should be in italics because it's actually an Old Testament quote. So an Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet said this, Things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, All that God has prepared for those who love him. In verse 10, for to us, God has revealed them through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Everybody say things. Okay, let's go back. Look at verse 9. For it is written. It's written. So he's talking. He's the New Testament isn't written yet. This is they're writing the New New Testament, right? So we only have the old covenant. So he's so Paul's saying it is written. Old covenant things. Everybody say things. 
things which I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, has not, uh, uh, ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those he loves. Verse 10, for to us, God has revealed them through the spirit, for the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, nobody knows except for the Spirit of God. So we go, nobody knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God. Got it? Nobody knows the thoughts of God um, except for the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things, come on, things... We also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Verse 14. Now, the natural man does not accept the things. Everybody say things of the spirit, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. And he himself is appraised by no one. Last verse. Now, you'll notice verse 16 should be italicized again. Because he's quoting the only Bible they have, which is the Old Testament. He's quoting an Old Testament prophet. And the Old Testament prophet says, Who has known the mind of God that we may instruct him? Now you'll notice that's the only part of the verse that's in italics. The next part is not. And it says, We have the mind of Christ. Here's the point that he's making. The Old Testament prophet says, Things which eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, that haven't entered the heart of man, All that God wants to do for those he loved. The Old Testament prophet said, we don't know those things. We haven't seen them, we haven't heard them, and they're not in our heart. And Paul says, yes, but the Spirit knows them. Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Christ lives in us, and therefore we know the things they didn't know. And the Old Testament prophet goes, who can know the mind of God? Like, who knows what God's thinking? And Paul goes, we do. So people say, you know, um, God's ways are higher than, than our ways. They were until he raised you up and seated you in heavenly places with Christ. <laughs> Did you get that? God's ways are higher than, than, than our ways. Who can know them? Well, the Old Testament prophet said that, that God's ways are higher than our ways. But he wasn't seated in heavenly places because he wasn't a new creation. You're actually seated in heavenly places with Christ. It doesn't get higher than that. Because he's seated far above all principalities and powers, and he's, and he's given a name above every name. That Are you with me? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1, and, and it says, and that we are seated where? With him. It's a big throne. We're seated with him in heavenly places. So the thoughts of God are not above you if you're in him, because your thoughts, his thoughts are your thoughts, because you have the mind of Christ. It's time... It's time to lose your mind and get his. And what I'm getting at is that you have access to the thoughts of God. So you read Daniel, and you know, I want to read about Daniel in a few minutes, but we read about Daniel, how intelligent he was and how he was ten times wiser than all the wise men in Babylon. Do you understand? He still wasn't a new creation. He still didn't see, he still wasn't seated in heavenly places. You realize he was not filled with the Spirit. You realize that in, in spite of the fact that he was brilliant, he did not have the mind of Christ. You do. 
And you have a new heart. You're a new creature. The word new there means never before created. You're a prototype. That's why Paul says you're an alien. You're aliens. Yeah. God sucked your brains out and put his in. He's the ultimate body snatcher. He killed the guy inside and came into you. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm proving it. I'm hidden in Christ. So you're like, what is God thinking? Well, have a thought. I'm thinking, what is God thinking? He's thinking what you're thinking. How do I know that? You have the mind of Christ. You think like him. Do I always think like him? Whenever you're in the spirit, you do. Whenever you're in the spirit, the mindset on the flesh is death, but you're not. But the mindset on the on the, on on the spirit is life and peace. And then it says all those who are born of the spirit are sons of God. How many of you are born of the spirit? You can't help but set your mind on the spirit. You're born of the spirit. Your old guy died. You don't have an operating system for the old man. He's dead. In order for you to think like him, the old man, you have to go to the graveyard and dig him up. You have to use your ability to raise the dead on your old man. (laughs) Okay, that's a good word. So when you read this verse, you know, I hear people still quote, you know, well, you know, things God, God, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. Hasn't entered our hearts what God wants to do for us. Yes, it has. I'm sorry, you're, you, it's a, you got the wrong context there. The point that Paul's making is we don't operate out of the wisdom of man. I didn't come to you with the wisdom of man or with persuasive thoughts. I, I know dumb is overrated. People, are, people quote Paul when he said, There wasn't many of you wise, there wasn't many of you intelligent. He's talking about where he found you, not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to confound the wise. That means you don't stay dumb. (laughs) Anyway, that's what I believe. So, um, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just a few pages ahead. We talked about this, but Paul says, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. And we read that um, in the conference, but Paul begins to talk about the spirit world. Now, the word gifts is not in the original text. So where you read now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. Actually, in the Greek, it reads this. It reads like this. Now concerning the spiritual, I don't want you to be unaware because Paul's actually not teaching you about the gifts as his primary motivation for the chapter, his primary motivation for the chapter is to teach you about the spirit realm. And in, I said this to all of those that were in the conference, but Paul, but Paul is using the gifts of the spirit to illustrate to the Corinthians who were born again as polytheists. They believed in multiple gods that the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. You'll notice if you read the chapter, which we're not going to take time to do tonight. We did the other night. He uses the word same eight times. It's this gift of prophecy, but the same spirit. 
It's the gift of healing, but the same spirit. It's the, if the, it's the gift of miracles, but the same spirit. And then he talks about three different dimensions of those gifts. He says that there's, he said there's, um, there's, there's ministries. Verse five, there are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety, a variety of effects, but the same God. What is the operative word in the, in this chapter, the, in the first several verses of the chapter? The word same. Why is he saying same, 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 same? And he talks about three dimensions of how God works, and then he talks about nine gifts, how Holy Spirit gifts, and, but he keeps using the word same. Why does he say that? But it's because he's talking to polytheists that have the right experience and the wrong theology. So they're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. They don't have the New Testament yet. They're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. They got saved in Corinth. You'll remember in Acts 15, the apostles wrote to the Gentiles and said, listen, all you need to do is do these four things, and none of them have anything to do with actually keep reading the Bible. <laughs> and so these, these Gentiles get saved, and they start moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Only problem is their theology is polytheism. So they think there's a God of wisdom. And then there's another God of prophecy. And there's another God of healing. There's another God. Are you with me? Or maybe they would call them spirits. There's a spirit of prophecy. There's a spirit of wisdom. And Paul goes, no, no. Listen, there's different gifts, but there's only one spirit. So he's actually using the gifts of the spirit to teach them about spiritual, about the spirit realm. He's saying the way you were taught about the spirit realm is not accurate. There's only one Holy Spirit, but there's many manifestations. There's many effects. And there's many ministries. There's many gifts. But no matter if it's gifts, ministries, effects, occupations, it's all one Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And so I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that all the gifts of the Spirit are available to you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So all those gifts are available to you. He says that all, in fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God gave all the gifts for all persons. So it, it, does it mean that everybody moves in healing? This, like, like, is there no difference between... Do, do some people move in healing more than others? Yes. But is, is all, are all the gifts available to everybody? Yes, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and He's the gift giver. I'd actually like propose to you that there's not just nine spiritual gifts. I, I don't think He was teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. I think he was teaching on the spirit realm. I think he just happened to mention nine gifts that they were using to show them that they are, there's all these gifts, but there's only one Holy Spirit. In fact, if you um, look at the Old Testament, they manifested all kinds of gifts when the spirit came on them. Like you notice the first man ever filled with the spirit, two guys ever filled with the spirit, were filled with the spirit for art. Remember, they carved gold and silver in the temple. Do you remember this? Well, that's not listed here. How many of you know that we live in a better covenant? As Bill reminds us often, that we should have superior gifts in a better covenant. So I propose to you that there is a supernatural, spiritual gift of art that people actually tap in by the Spirit and says that he was filled. It says these two guys, they were filled with the Spirit to carve in silver and in gold. They were filled with the Spirit specifically to carve into silver and gold. Now, I think people can carve in silver and gold without the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what would happen if you had a gift 
if the Holy Spirit was carving through you, like you had a charisma gift to carve in silver and in gold, isn't it possible that lots of things that happen in the natural, you could actually be endowed by the Spirit to do the things that you do in the natural, but you would be doing them with it from the third dimension? I wonder if there would be a gift of engineering. Where you go to school and you learn how to be an engineer, that's all good. You know, we probably wouldn't want you working on our bridge unless you had some kind of document on your wall that said you understand math. <laughs> you know. <laughs> or there's a, maybe, what would happen? I'm just saying, I'm just say this as a question. What if there's a gift of physician? What if the great physician actually has several accomplices? Several other physicians and you go to school and you become a doctor, but then you get a gift by the Spirit so that you can diagnose people by the Spirit that actually works in the natural. Like, like it's not coming from your IQ. It's not coming from your EQ. You're actually thinking from your SQ. Like you're actually diagnosing people, a physical condition, from your SQ. Like you're coming up with solutions, but they're coming from the third heaven. Instead of the first, or hopefully not the second. And maybe for some of you that don't know the term, when God created the heavens and the earth, you know, those are the heavens. Like, it's not like, those are the heavens you can see, right? First dimension. And then Ephesians chapter 6 says that there are principalities and powers in heavenly places. How many understand there are no demons in God's heaven? He casts Satan and his demons out. And then Paul said... That he knew a man, of course he's talking about himself, that went to the third heaven and he saw things that were inexpressible. You understand that you are seated in the first heaven and you're seated in the third heaven simultaneously. So your only goal is to not get stuck in the... Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Don't get stuck from there because that'll mess you up. So... um you know how you have five senses, like you have sight, smell, taste, feel, and you can hear, right? Hear? Yes? You hear me? He that has ears, let them hear. Very good. So you have five basic senses. Did I get them all? Taste, smell, sight, feel, and t I mean, or touch, and hear. Um, if you could just picture that for a second... That when you come into a room, like if you're driving along in your car, have you ever been driving along in your car, you don't see anything, but you smell something? Like something's burning, right? And, and maybe, you, maybe you're like, well, you know, you're no mechanic, so you keep driving. <laughs> and pretty soon, what you smell, you start to see smoke. Right? Now you've got two senses involved. Smoke. And if it's very close to you, it starts to feel hot. <laughs> right? And probably by that time, it, you, can, you, can, you, can probably, you can probably feel it, see it, smell it, and might even be able to taste it. If you, um, this is, you know, really simple stuff, but I was a mechanic for many, many years, and my job was to, uh, I was, most of my job was a diagnostician. I was a troubleshooter. So people would come in all the time, and they're, they're so funny, you know, you learn to interview people. Because they're trying to tell you about something that they haven't seen. 
Nine times out of ten, they, what, what's wrong with their car, they can't see it. So they're trying to describe it. And sometimes they'll say, you know, I was driving along and there was, and there was a fog in my, fog came up in my car. I go, yeah? You, you, could you smell it? Yeah. In fact, I could taste it. Hmm. Did it taste sweet? Yeah. Oh, it's your heater core. Got a hole in it. It's antifreeze. What's the point? The point is, is that you're always like these five senses without you trying. These five senses are working together to give you information in which you make a diagnosis. You're doing it hundreds of you're doing it in the milliseconds. Right. Oftentimes you will sense something. And I'm not talking about the sixth sense or any other sense right now for the sake of just talking. You will sense something in, 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 that you, you don't see yet. Or you'll, you'll feel something. You're not sure how you know it, but you know it. And so, you know, people, uh, they would come in, my customers would come in, and they, they're, typically they hear things. They hear things. It's like, yeah, and it's going kind of like, it's when I push on the gas, it goes, and I always love that. You know, I'm like, can you do that again? Do that again. Now, I already have figured out what, what's probably going on, but I just wanted to do it again, you know? And so my, my point is, is that we, we, we use our five senses all the time. And we, they, there's synergy with them. Sometimes we can hear and, and smell it. Sometimes we can, we, can, we, can, uh, we can taste it and feel it. Sometimes it's, 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 not very, it's not very often that we have a five-dimensional uh, experience, at least not all at once. You know, in the tabernacle, they had five-dimensional experiences, right? They had incense, right? They saw, they saw things, they heard things, they felt things. They had five-dimensional experience. And so um, we learn through all five of our senses. We learn things from our five senses. And um, I'd like to propose to you that, and I'm just going to use the word five just to just to connect to the illustration, that there are senses that you have in the spirit of your mind. Like your spirit of your mind, your spirit man, or the be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you actually have, you actually have senses in that dimension too. I'll give you a few, and I just named five just so that you can get an... I'm just trying to give you a picture that you can actually learn to draw. Like, see, you're, somebody... Um, let's see, I don't know how this is accurate. When you're a little baby, little by little, you start to you start to learn from your senses, right? You start to learn uh, your five senses. You start to start to hear. You start to see when you're when you're born. You're you're born blind. You don't you don't see when you first when you're first born, and and so you start to learn those five senses. And pretty soon, um, you know, as a as maybe this is too much information, but. One of the things that you learn if you become a really good troubleshooter is you learn how to put things together. So somebody will say, my car makes this noise and I won't be funny and make the noise. But I, I, I want to know, when you hear that noise, do you feel anything? They go, oh yeah, I, I feel something. I go, where do you feel it at? Do you feel it in the seat? Do you feel it in the steering wheel? Is it coming from the front or the back? Well, see, they're not trained to know that, but I am. They go, oh, yeah, it's coming from the right front. Like, oh, you needed that information. I, I have the information. I just didn't know to put it together. 
And they go, oh, okay, so you hear this noise and you feel this what? Would you call it a vibration? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's a vibration. And, and is it when you apply the brakes or when you don't have brakes applied? Oh, when I apply the brakes. Yeah, it's always when I apply the brakes. Okay, do you smell something? Oh, yeah, it smells like burning. Now, they didn't tell me that when they came in. They just said I had this noise. What I learned is, okay, if they have that noise with these other two symptoms, it's probably this. If they have that noise and it's coming from the back and they don't smell anything, it's probably this. Are you with me? And so you learn over time, and a really good diagnostician really um, really learns sometimes um, just... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of the word, but sometimes not proactively, sometimes you just learn over time, subconsciously is where I'm going. You just learn subconsciously to start asking the, the, the right questions, and you get really good at it. And, and the person who comes in typically has all the information you need to diagnose the problem. They just don't know that they know. Are you with me? It's a little bit like a Nebuchadnezzar, which we're going to read in a minute, if we have, we may not get to it, but where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he sees the statue, right? Or here's an easier one. Let's do an easier one. Um, Pharaoh that, that Joseph serves, that Pharaoh, he has a dream of seven fat calves and seven skinny calves, and the seven skinny calves eat the seven fat calves. Okay, and when he gets up, he's troubled. So let's just pretend for a minute. I know it's subjective, but I would like to suggest that Pharaoh probably dreams a lot. Like most people dream, they, don't, they know God or they don't know God, they dream a lot. This is probably not the first dream he's ever had. Now, uh, definitely Nebuchadnezzar dreamt all the time. And some of the dreams troubled him. In fact, one dream that Nebuchadnezzar has troubles him so much, the first dream that Daniel ever interpreted, that he's willing to kill all the wise men if they can't tell him what the dream is. Joseph's Pharaoh has a dream about his future. Do you understand that, that God gave him the dream, but how did he do it? Remember this? We don't have the wisdom of the world, but we have a wisdom, but it's in a what? Mystery. Are you with me? We don't speak the wisdom of this age, but we have a wisdom from where is it coming from? From the age to come. And it's a wisdom that's in a what? Mystery hidden. So Pharaoh has this dream. You know how important this dream is? His whole country's future rests on this dream. If he doesn't figure out this dream, he dies in a famine. He has all the information he needs. Except for he don't know what to do with it. God gives him a dream, but it's coming from another dimension. It's hidden wisdom. The only way he's going to get an interpretation is to find a relationship with God. In this case, through somebody, we live in a new covenant. But you get the point. He has to have a relationship with God. I'm not saying personally. He has to find somebody that has a relationship with God because the wisdom is intentionally hidden. So not only does he get information, but he gets connection. In other words, it's multidimensional. God isn't just trying to save him. He's trying to introduce himself to him. That's why he doesn't just go, hey, you're going to have a famine. If, I mean, he could have a dream that says, hey, you're going to have a famine. And what you need to do, he, everything Joseph told him, he could have just dreamt. But if he dreamt that, 
he would have no reason for a connection. In other words, God communicates first for connection, then to answer your your. your are you with me? Nebuchadnezzar is really interesting in chapter two, and I guess I'll just tell you the story. In chapter two, he has this dream about the statue, gold statue, gold head. Remember this? Goes to silver all the way down to clay and feet. Remember this mixed clay. And so he has this dream, and he is so convinced that this dream has something to do with the future of the world, that he's willing to kill everybody. And he says to his wise men, he says, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be rich, but at the expense, at the risk of dying. So I need you to tell me my dream and my interpretation. And the wise men go, listen, king, um, if you tell us the dream, we could probably figure out what it means. And the king goes, he's really mad. He goes, you're messing with me. If you can't tell me the dream, you won't know what the interpretation is. Why? Because he knows he hasn't had a normal pizza dream. Are you with me? I'm just trying to say, this king, he dreams all the time. He knows this dream is coming from some deity, which he, which, which he believes in multiple gods. So he thinks the gods gave him a dream. And he's like, listen, if the gods gave me a dream, then they will give you the dream and give you the interpretation. If you have to have me tell you the dream, you're not supernatural enough to know the interpretation. And so he sends out a decree, kill everybody. And when it gets to Daniel, Daniel's like, oh, this is a problem. And Daniel is, um, he's an interesting character because he's actually mentioned among the, um, among, if you will, the psychics. Um, he's the chief, I always say this word, I said codgers, but that's an old guy. Conjurers. Did I get it close? Conjurers. He's the chief magician. Did I get that right? Magician? Got it. Not a musician. Magician. Let's just say psychic. It's so much easier. He's the chief psychic. Listen, we call him prophet. But they didn't call him prophet. And his name wasn't Daniel. His name was Belshazzar, which was the name of the king's God. And when when he calls Daniel in to interpret his dream, he says, O Belshazzar, whom the holy gods speak to. Holy gods, plural. Tell me the interpretation of my dream. Isn't that interesting? And Daniel doesn't correct him. He just says, there is a God, single, in heaven, who knows the answers to mysteries. And Daniel tells him, of course, the dream and then the interpretation. And he tells him, this is really interesting. In fact, I'll just read you this this piece of it. Listen to this. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the night, in the night vision, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel said, Let the name of the God be let, let the name of God be blessed forever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes listen to this, it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings and gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. 
I don't know if you if you know what uh, verse 21 means. And he changes times and epochs. Do you know what an epoch is? An epoch is a divinely fixed season. And it's, and he says, listen, you can be in a divinely fixed epoch season, like this sovereign moment, like something that's not supposed to happen. And Daniel goes, but God's the one who changes times and epochs. He can change your season. He can come in and and he can come in. Something that's for another time, like a great example, when Mary told Jesus to make wine, he said, it's not my time. It's the wrong season. I'm not making wine. She totally ignores him. She said, make wine. Listen, listen to your mother. You know, he's already said, I only do what I see my father doing. She says, well, this is what your mother says. I don't see my father making wine. Yeah, but you hear your mother. Make wine. Well, it's a silly example probably, but he took what was for another season and it wasn't actually making wine. It was doing miracles. He said, it's not my time to do miracles. She said, "Ah, well, we're going to move the time up. We're going to change the epic. How many of you would like to change the season you're in? Like you're in a season and you're like, it's God who can change the season. That's a good word right there. Some of you women, you're not supposed to find a man for three years, but you can change that. That's a very bad example. So. <laughs> I, I want to give you just a, a little taste of ways that you can train your, yourself in the Holy Spirit, train yourself in the Holy Spirit. It's probably a better way to say that. I'll, I'll do it better next time. Train yourself to, you can, you can be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You can start to train the spirit of your mind to think multidimensionally. And the first thing you have to do is not limit yourself to the five senses. So in other words, instead of, instead of first heaven revelation, which is your five senses, your, your sight, your smell, your taste, your, you get the idea. First heaven revelation. That's not evil. It's not bad. It's just, it's your natural man. Are you with me? Natural man. Everybody say natural man. Good. Everybody say spiritual man. Better. Spiritual man. Better and brighter. Jesus said this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He didn't say it was evil. He's making a point. Your flesh is not nearly as, as strong as your spirit man. But if you've just trained yourself in the five senses, you don't tap into the, any other senses. You don't tap into your spiritual, the, the renewed part of your mind, the, the Holy Spirit gifts, the mind of Christ. Like you already have, listen, if you think you have the answer, you're not going to look for it in another dimension. Did you get that? As soon as you think you have the answer, you stop looking for it. People say this all the time. They say, you know, I always find things in the last place I look for them. Think through that for a minute. If you found it and kept looking for it, you'd be stupid. I don't know why I always find things in the last place I look for it. Because you stop looking after you find it, bozo. But I'd like to propose to you that many of us get a good answer instead of a great answer because we're so used to getting an answer from the five senses instead of tapping into another level. 
And it's not that we got a bad answer, it's just that we got a low-level answer. When we could have got an answer that would have wowed the world. We're not trying to wow the world, we're just trying to change the world. So I have to train myself. I have to train my senses to discern both good and evil. I have to, dis- I have to train myself to say, wait a second, my, my smell says this, my hearing says this, my sight says this, but what does my prophecy say? So, I, so let's say I'm a stockbroker and, I, and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I've been trained in to, to, um, you know, to understand the market, to diagnose the market, to see. And I do my due diligence. I'm working on a company and I do everything I'm supposed to do. And I, I study the company and I look at their trends. And I, I, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, be dumb. I'm like, you know, you look at, oh, they just changed CEOs. Is that going to be good or bad or whatever? And I tap into that first realm and it's, I tap into my education. I tap into my experience. It's all first heaven stuff. It's not evil. Are you with me? So I tap into all that and I go, okay, According to that, this is the best decision. And then suddenly, I get this thing in my mind that says, wait a second, I'm seated in heavenly places, and I can, have the, and I can tap into the wisdom that's from the age to come. So I can actually know about this stock, what's going to happen to this stock, because I live outside of time. See, so I need to know what's going to happen to this stock in five years, but I actually live in the timeless zone. I live on, in, on earth and I live in heaven simultaneously. But I, I, I'm always like, I'm a caterpillar and I need to break out. I need to have a more metamorphosis. I need to start breaking out of the shell and start tapping in to the stuff that's happening in the air. I need to come up here, uh, Revelation chapter 4, um, the Apostle John Jesus said to the Apostle John, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. You understand that your heavenly seat gives you eternal perspectives. If you, look, I believe in a rapture, but I believe in many raptures before the big one. Like you can come up here anytime you want. You can stay there if you want. You don't ever have to go home. It is your home. You know, where Jesus said, I, w- I go to prepare many dwelling, you know, in my, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If I go away, I go to prepare a place for you. I, I think you live there already. I think you're going to go there, but I think you already live there. At least a part of you does. <laughs> well, Bill and I do. Okay, Bill. Okay, so we need to be done. I'm going to give you just I'm going to give you five senses that you can tap into. You can tap in. You you can write this down if you want, or you can get it on my website, kvministries.com. I think <laughs> I never get on it. It's in the little thing. You just click on it. It goes to it. It's either .com or .org, and I think actually they both go there. But um, if you click on, if you look up, it'll say notes and articles. You click on that, and you can get the PowerPoint and all the notes what I've what I've been teaching. So you can, you can download it. It's on a PDF file, and and the and the man's even in color. It's a picture of me and the way my brain works. What's all that black? <laughs> Pretty small. Anyway, um, okay. So here, five dimensions. The mind of Christ, we already talked about it. 
The gift of discernment, I taught on it in the uh, uh, second session, second night session of the conference. I'm sure you can still get it on iBethel TV if you're interested. I did about 15 or 20 minutes on the gift of discernment. It's, it's probably some stuff you haven't heard before. So the gift of discernment or the gift of distinguishing spirits, it's the same thing. Distinguishing of spirits, the gift of discernment is the same thing. There's two ways to say the same thing. And by the way, the gift of, uh, the gift of discernment, the wicked stepsister of the gift of discernment is the gift of suspicion. In fact, when you're mad at someone, your gift will be anointed by the wrong spirit. And you actually supernaturally find things wrong with people. Think through that. That's a whole other message. The gift of prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is foretelling. I'm telling you the future. And foretelling. I'm causing the future. Ezekiel's bones. I know we're running out of time. Ezekiel's bones. What did he do? He went to the valley of dry bones. And God said, prophesy to the bones. He wasn't, he wasn't predicting the future. He was causing the future. Are you with me? Okay, write this down. This is not in the notes. Write this down. There are three dimensions to prophecy. Foresight, insight, and oversight. Foresight, insight, and oversight. And if it's it's coming from God, it's coming from His sight. So, foresight, insight, and oversight. Okay, quickly, what does that mean? Foresight is pretty simple. Some people have a prophetic gift that's like a telescope. You can see into the future. What does it mean to have prophetic insight? Some people have a, a, a prophetic gift that's like a microscope. Like they're not so good at knowing what's coming in the future, but they can tell you what's on your, crawling on your skin. Like they have insight. They have insight into how things work, how things function. Why people behave the way they do. What's, 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 what motivations, what is motivating that particular behavior or what's motivating that particular city's economy. They have insight. Are you with me? And then there's oversight. Oversight is, is the kind of view that you have if you've ever flown over your house. Like we have a, uh, we have one of our guys had a helicopter and he hovered, he picked me up just down the street from my house and he hovered over my house. It was really interesting because I had lived there for three years, but we hovered about 50 feet or 100 feet or so over my house. And it was interesting to see my house in perspective. And if you have prophetic oversight, and I'm not talking about like you have oversight like leadership. I'm talking about the gift. Prophetic oversight, you know where things are supposed to fit. Like, you know, hey, that person, oh, I know why they're not successful. Listen, I can see from up here, they're supposed to be over there. This person fits over here. Hey, that business isn't working because this needs to move over here. That's, and you can see it like you would fly over, uh, over the earth or over a neighborhood with a helicopter. You can see things in the spirit that other people can't perceive or other people can't perceive in the context. Like you put things in context, people in context, businesses in context, even words in context. And that's another and that's that's where you that that gift is where you understand seasons. You know, the sons of Issachar understood the times. They understood the epic seasons. They understood what was supposed to happen in what season. They had the gift. They had a prophetic gift that gave them oversight. They could see from an air. 
the word of knowledge, we use the word of knowledge all the time here for um, diagnosing um, people's medical problems. So we go, somebody's got a problem with their right knee. Sometimes we know exactly who it is. Sometimes we know exactly what's wrong with the knee. That's the word of knowledge is information you got by the spirit. You could have got it some other way. I mean, you could have got an x-ray. You could have got an MRI. But you got it by the spirit. You got information that's currently true by the spirit. Are you with me? Word of knowledge and prophecy commonly uh, mistaken. It's two separate gifts. It's mentioned in two separate places. It's demonstrated separately in the Bible, by the way. And so if I said, if I called you out and I said, um, would you stand up? I believe you're a nurse. If you were a nurse, that's not a prophecy. Although people say, that guy gave me a great prophecy. No, no. If he told you what already is, that's the word of knowledge. Are you with me? And you don't have to use the word of knowledge just for, just, uh, for medical conditions. You can use the word of knowledge, and I shared this in the... In, the, um, in this conference, you can use the word knowledge to fix cars. You can use the word of knowledge to fix people. You can use the word of knowledge to figure out when to invest and when not to invest. You, the word of knowledge is not just for, is not just for, you know, determining someone's medical condition. Does that make sense? So you just have to get used to like somebody comes up to you and they say, you know, I've, I've got a problem. And instead of you asking them 400 questions about their medical condition, why don't you just practice? Say, hey, let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit if he has a word of knowledge. And then you go, hey, you have a problem in your right knee? Yeah, that's what I came up for. Guess what? You know, they already knew they had a problem in their right knee. But the fact that you figured it out without asking gives them faith to connect with the healing now. Are, are you following me? So lots of times words of knowledge are more... Uh, you know, oftentimes words, words of knowledge are there to build faith. I know that when we go into political uh, offices, and especially places that we, we've never been or people we don't know, and we have prophecies for them or for the country or whatever, I always ask for words of knowledge about the person specifically. Like, do they have a daughter or a son? What's their name? How old are they? And we'll sit down and take the first 10 minutes to go, you have a daughter, right? Seven She's seven years old. Yeah, she plays. She plays soccer. That's interesting, isn't it? And that person's like, no, we don't often talk anymore about their daughter. What's the point? The point is, well, they need to know I can be trusted. Okay, we told them about the present. Now let's tell them about the future. But we created credibility with somebody we don't know. Are you following me? Okay. And the last one we're going to talk about right now uh, is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is is the ability to rightly apply knowledge. So wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge. So Daniel has a word of knowledge, and he, sees, he interprets the dream. The dream interpretation is actually like, well, it's actually a dream, actually it is a gift of dream interpretation. But it's like a word of knowledge. He knows the seven fat calves are seven years, and the seven skinny calves are seven years of famine, and the seven years of famine are going to eat the seven good years, right? So that's word of knowledge. Now, the king goes, well, what do we do about that? Daniel goes, okay, now i got some wisdom for you. This is, what I, this is what I would do about that. Now he's going to, what's wisdom? He's going to rightly apply knowledge. Now he says to the king, if I were you, I'd take, I'd take one-fifth or 20% of all the crops in the first seven years, and I would put them away. And then in the seven bad years, I would sell them back to the people so there's plenty of food. That's the word of wisdom. And how many of you know that that word of wisdom is coming from another dimension? He didn't get that from education. He didn't get that from, I mean, education is all great, but wouldn't it be awesome to be highly educated and 
to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and be tapping into these other dimensions. Wouldn't it be awesome to be, you know, uh, a decorator or a movie producer and you've got all the natural skills in the first heaven and then you ask the Lord for third heaven revelation and you start to and these two these two dimensions start to work together. Okay, stand up. I'm going to pray for you all. Someday we're going to finish this message. <laughs> this is an <laughs> eternal message. It just keeps growing. Cool. How many of you like to tap in to your full potential in the renewed mind? All the gifts of the Spirit. Hey, we didn't even talk about angels. Those are other beings. And you know what? In Hebrews 1 says... And they are servants of those who receive salvation. So guess what? They're working for you. You were created a little lower than the angels, but when you got born again, you were seated in heavenly places far above every name that's named. So now they work for you. Be careful, though. You know, Jacob taught us, be kind to your angel. (laughs) Break a leg. Okay, so let's pray. Put your hands out right now like this. And we're just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just we pray that we tap in every person here. Now, hunger's really hunger hunger level in here is pretty intense. <laughs> that, that that always creates some kind of a vortex, doesn't it? <laughs> probably why the gold showed up. That's a guess. Probably showed up because I was preaching. I'm sure. <laughs> Although it never has before. But anyway. It's interesting it stopped when I started. Anyway, because the Lord wanted you to listen to his servant. Some people speak and the gold's still happening because they don't have much to say. But I. Lord, your servant. Your servant discerneth wrong spirited. So, what was I doing? I'm praying for you. I'm praying right now for you. That Holy Spirit would release some gifts on you all. And that whatever you do, whatever it is you do, whatever your occupation is, whatever it is, like, I don't care if you're working at McDonald's, like, whatever your occupation is, that you would start doing it supernaturally. I don't know how you supernaturally flip a burger, but listen, listen to this. But Solomon supernaturally set the table. Solomon supernaturally dressed his servants in a way, when the Queen of Sheba came, she said, she, she said half, half of the wisdom has not been told about. Half hasn't been told about your wisdom. You are twice as wise as I was told. And, what, and then she names... Simple things like the way your waiters were dressed, the way your table was set. What I'm getting at is I want to pray for you to have wisdom. No, I want to pray for you to have supernatural insight into things you do every day so that people wouldn't see extraordinary works. They would see ordinary works done in a way no one's ever done before. So I pray for that right now. Holy Spirit, I just release the stuff, the things. Things is a spiritual word. Things that eye hasn't seen, things that ear hasn't heard, 
all that you have prepared for those who love you. I pray for stuff, things right now to be released to every person in this room and every person who's in watching iBethel TV. God bless them. Jesus. Lord, we just we release that right now that they would start tapping in to other dimensions, other dimensions in God. That they would take simple things that they normally use their five senses for, and they would say, I wonder what the, I wonder what would happen if I use my, my sixth sense, my, my Holy Spirit sense. Lord, I pray for that right now. I always release that right now. And I pray for angel help. Some of us, we need angel help. <laughs> friendly angels. We pray for friendly angels. In a good mood. We pray for that, Lord, just to be released among your people, to walk among us, to to work with us, to help us, to accomplish the spreading of the kingdom, that the kingdom would spread all over by signs, by wonders, by miracles, with the help of angels. We pray for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.